ever thought you were failing as a parent? As a mum of four, I tell you the amount of balls I drop every single day, it is huge. I have to say sorry a lot. I snap when I get overwhelmed and I definitely, definitely have so many moments where I think, oops, I totally stuffed that up. Today on Feed, Play, Love, parenting educator Jen Muir is going to talk to us about why you're not failing as a parent. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. I've been doing a parenting podcast for over seven years and I still feel like I'm failing as a parent. These days, it's more likely to be because my son isn't doing his readers or maybe I yelled at them because we're running late. But in the early days, it was because I couldn't get my babies to sleep or they wouldn't eat their vegetables. Though, spoiler alert, they're still not great at eating veggies. (laughs) Jen Muir is a parenting educator at Connected Parenting, and she's here to help us ease off this kind of self-criticism. Hi, Jen. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Parents can be so hard on themselves, can't they? We are so hard on ourselves. I think there is a culture of kind of over-parenting that we're in. And so even when you're trying to go easier on yourself these days, it can feel like you're doing it differently to those around you. So it's become so commonplace that we are trying so hard at every area and, yeah, we're burning out. It's tough. I mean, like I said, I have done so many interviews about why parents shouldn't be so hard on themselves. And you still do it. I still do it. And so do I. And I work all day with parents, (laughs) interviewing them and saying, let's talk about your self-care and quietly burning out. No, I do. I do try to <laughs> practice what I preach, but yeah. I absolutely feel that failure around readers and sight words and time win oh God, and, and organic food. Don't even get me started. Oh no, I let go of organic food when my baby in my first was about six months. And I was like, okay, mm, home cooked food. Home Let's cooked, be that's, honest. That's, okay. That makes more sense to me now. That makes more sense to me. Okay, yeah. So in your experience, what do parents berate themselves most about? Everything. Everything. <laughs> it is everything, Name isn't an it? area. We're not, I cannot think of an area that we, what, what I, the way I view it or the way I'm thinking about it these days is that imagine parenting is us at a dash and there's a bunch of knobs, you know, like they're all there and there's how we feed our kids, how they sleep, how we do the readers and the time with and the, um, their sports and their other development and how much time we're spending with them. And all of our little dials or knobs are turned up to 10 out of 10. And then we're wondering why it feels like we're not doing, we're failing because the expectations are so, so high and we're expecting to do everything perfectly. And I mean, I'm a child of the 80s. There is no way my parents were turning up to cross country or like. (laughs) No. (laughs) You know. They weren't. And now if I don't do that, I feel like I am the only one. Yeah. Like I feel alone, even when I try to. And how do people, I don't even know how people do it because I'm with you, but I'm working full time now. So that's not an option for me, but I know parents who work full time who still manage to get there. How? (laughs) It doesn't make sense. They've got some kind of time. Well, I think it's that same thing. And they're probably feeling like they're not doing well enough at work and they're not doing well enough at home because we're trying to do all of those Well, they're not getting to bed until one because they're doing their work after they've done all the stuff with the kids. Yeah. 
bring back the eighties parenting, minus minus the <laughs> minus cigarettes the and the smacking <laughs> and the yeah, exactly. Um, so that's one thing where we're too hard on ourselves, and maybe we just need to have a bit of perspective. I think we need to think about we need to think about what we can turn down on. And that's going to be different for everybody. So there's no one bit of advice that fits for everybody with this. But I think kind of once when um, my two eldest kids were about two and four, I was walking along in Noosa with my hubby and I was looking at all these other families and the kids were eating in restaurants with knives and forks, younger than mine. <laughs> and we were at a stage where our kids couldn't come within a hundred meters of a cafe because they would smash something by looking at it. Like it was just like, it is not where we were. We were, you know, we were takeaway cup people in, yes. in public places. And I said out loud, look at this, we're failing. We haven't taught our kids table manners. And my beautiful wise husband, Andy said, we're not failing. It's not what we focused on. And I've really, gra- I grabbed onto that and I've really used it a lot. And I kind of think, yeah, there are things that are very important within our home and there are things that we've let go. And spoiler alert, our table manners are still not great. <laughs> yeah, I'm it with you. It is on the to-do list, but, you know, we're, we're working on it. But you, you just can't be across everything. And like you say, if you're working you know, you're not going to get to those readers every day. And so you need to let some stuff slide and maybe put that dial down to 40% or 50% and know that that is good enough. Mm, I want to talk about the good enough part in a minute, but just what you were saying there, what I really love the idea um, of is kind of this intuitive parenting that's intuitive not in the sense that you immediately know how to breastfeed or you immediately know how to get your child to sleep or whatever. Um, I mean intuitive in you follow what feels right in your own heart. So whether that is what you focus on. So, you know, for example, I would say uh, connection is something that I would focus on. And if that means sitting in front of the telly, watching some god-awful cartoon with my kids. Pokemon. Pokemon (laughs) is is awful. (laughs) Sometimes you get a good one, which is I'm more than happy with, but Pokemon's not one of them. But um, having those kids there with me and feeling that or maybe having dinner at the table is my thing when we when we can do it. Yeah. That's something that comes naturally because it's natural to me or sharing experiences with your kid that you love. So not saying I need to take my kid to... AFL to yes. hockey to violin to all these things because that's what I'm meant to do. Yeah, but because because I'm worried that they will miss out on something. Yes. That there's there is a culture of scarcity, I think as well, mm. and we're worried that if we don't do all the things, they will get behind. Yeah, they will miss out. But if we just went, I love watching them swim, which is one of my things. Yeah. I love swimming. I love the fact my kids can swim and they love it and they love it yeah. because you love it yeah it's all seems so much easier than pushing yourselves into places that don't naturally give you joy yes and that's what I feel about intuitive parenting is following what naturally feels right for you instead yes. of what you think will be good for them I love that but do you ever find that you are thinking, I think this is right. It feels right. But then I worry sometimes in, at 3am that <laughs> other people, they're doing a lot more. I and- don't do it at 3am. I do it at like <laughs> pick up when I'm with my my mum friends and their kids have just done violin lesson or whatever it is. Yeah. 
So but, it's still, mm. you've, you you have to actively tune that out. You have to out. choose. Yes, and you have to hard. tune it out. You have to tune it out. And I've also come to accept that I am inherently lazy. So <laughs> there is part of me that wants to, I accept that I'm lazy, but there's that laziness I see <laughs> in a positive light. I, mean, I think we can reframe that. Oh, I'm totally reframing <laughs> that. Don't worry. I'm owning my laziness, but I'm kind of reframing it because I want my parenting to be somewhere between now and the 80s. Yes. Right? Like what we were saying, I want yeah. it to be, I want to be aware of where my kids are at. Yeah. I want to be conscious of their development, et cetera, et cetera. But I also want to be the parent who went, you kids are going to work around me while I have dinner. Yeah. And with my friends. But I'm that's, definitely not But there that's yet. really important because that's an authentic relationship. Mm. And that's very, very important for our kids because this is their first and most influential relationship. And if you're not, if it's all for them and you're not authentically in it and enjoying it, yes. that's what they're going to feel. Yes. So. And you will feel that, my friend, if you make me play Beyblades. Beyblades. <laughs> like, there is no faking enjoying that, I tell no, you. I don't do that either. I mean, oh. <laughs> I've done it a couple of times. And that's when I felt like I was failing. I'm like, this is boring. I mean, it's it's okay to say to your kids, Mm. I I don't want to play Beyblades. (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Where were you two years ago? (laughs) I needed this. I don't want to do that. I don't like that. That's okay. Yeah. And like you say, you find those ways to connect exactly what you've just described. Mm. I did take my entire family to get their nails done. Did you? Yes. I like that. My son, my daughter, <laughs> and my mother. I'm like, this is my, yep, I'm cool with this. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Beyblades be damned. Yep. Um, okay, so you were talking about turning the dial down yep. on those expectations. What about when we do do something that is legitimately not cool? So we yell at our kids mm. And I'm not, when I say legitimately not cool, I'm not saying you're a bad parent if you yell at your kids, but you can feel like, oh, I didn't maybe handle that so well. Well, I know on paper, that's not the best way to handle that. And I'm trying to model being a regulated person and I've just acted like a two-year-old. Yes. I don't feel great sitting on the couch that night. So what what do we do then? Like, is there a way back from that? Yeah. Repair. Repair repair is the way back when we've stuffed it up and we all stuff it up. And the evidence is very clear that kids don't need parents that never stuff it up. Kids need parents that are willing to go in and repair when they do. And repair is not about fixing necessarily. It sounds like it is, but it's not. It's about getting our relationship back on track. So when there's been a rupture or there's been a, you know, I've either not responded with compassion or I haven't listened to you or I just got it wrong or I was forcing, forcing, forcing at something and then I just went, I got that wrong for you. And um, what we need to do in order to repair is first of all regulate ourselves because we can't do it if we're not calm. So we need to sometimes take a parental timeout, (laughs) uh, take a moment or a few, calm down, and then we go in and how you repair can be any words, but it has to consist of a very short and sweet apology. So it might be like, I got that wrong, or I've stuffed that up, or I am really sorry. And we cannot add a but. Okay. And that's the challenge. That should be for everyone. I am sorry, but if you had listened the first time, 
It doesn't work. It does not. And you also can't collapse. So you can't say, I'm sorry, but I'm just really struggling at this. So it's really important that we apologize, take ownership for our part in the kind of rupture that happened. And then you're reconnected. You're not necessarily fixing and changing and solving, but you're back on track with your relationship. And that is what kids need. And that models the ability for our kids to then be people that can say sorry and fix relationships better than anything we can do in terms of teaching them. Mm. So it is so important and so important for the relationship. And isn't it good to know there is something I can do when I do stuff it up? Yeah. You know, when I will stuff it up because we we will. And there is no parent on earth that is flawless or perfect. And it's, I mean, it's not what kids need. And I think that can help. And it's funny when people have a resistance to that because it actually feels really good. Like it feels much better than holding on to the anger or berating yourself or. A a lot of us weren't apologized to. So I, I don't know about you, but um, a lot of us weren't, it wasn't necessarily culturally done um, to apologize in the eighties, the golden era. So that's the other thing we'll take off the list of eighties parenting. (laughs) Maybe they, it'd be good if they said sorry. Yes. Um, So it's, really hard to do. Yes. Um, and yet, like you say, it feels so much better. And some of my really, my best moments with my kids have come from the complete stuff ups Mm. and the apology and hanging in there with them and allowing them to maybe show that they're upset about what happened. And then this kind of understanding often comes like, if you can do it, it really can take your relationship to another level. And it's a really lovely kind of you know, my you can... kids have always taken the apologies so gracefully. Yeah. Like if my husband does something and then he comes and apologizes, I'm like, oh no, I have not sulked for long enough yet. <laughs> that sorry is not, no, 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 no. Come back with flowers or something. But my kids, <laughs> you say know. sorry to them and they're like, that's okay, mum. Yeah. You know, it's, they they're understand. so sweet. And I think kids, I mean, they are, they're so compassionate with us, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Look, let's talk about the um, good enough parent because what we want to do is make people okay with not being perfect. And most of us will say, I'm okay. I'm perfectly imperfect. Yeah. But as soon as we do something with our children that makes us feel like we've failed. Yeah. So talk to me about what you know the research says about the good enough parent. I love the good enough parent. I was talking about the good enough parent in a class yesterday and this dad was just laughing because he's like, it just sounds half-assed. And I'm like, it's not, it's really not. There are some huge advantages to being a good enough parent. So it's a term that was coined in the 60s. Um, It's what we know is actually best for children. So when we're shooting for perfection, we burn out and something else happens to them. We're doing too much for them. We're not allowing them to kind of try and fail and learn to be resilient. So there's all of those things that are really important for our kids that we now know. A good enough parent does a little bit less. We're absolutely connecting where we need to, but we're turning down some areas. We're maybe not going to the cross country if we work. You know, we're, we're maybe skipping some readers and saying, you know what, that's just not going to happen today and I'm okay with that. So a good enough parent knows that we sometimes don't have it in us to connect in the way that on paper we know we should or to set a boundary in the way we should or even to sit with a big emotion our child's having. Sometimes it's not in us. And the evidence shows that's a good thing because we're shooting to do this stuff around 30 to 40% of the time, which is kind of often a surprisingly low stat. 
often people think, well, no, I'm going to shoot for 70. But it, it's actually better to know that around 30 to 40% of the time on this stuff, two feet in is really the way to do it. And then when you're not doing it that way, sometimes I do, I sit on the couch at the end of the day and I have all those feelings and I used to get pretty down about it and talk to myself sort of more harshly. And I've worked on that self-compassion and now I will sort of go, oh, I, like I, I didn't do that right or I, that child went to bed crying or, you know, like stuff happens, right? Four kids, it happens. Yeah. Um, and then I say to myself, you know, that was not part of that 30 to 40% today and that is okay. I will sometimes say something like, I'm doing the best that I can and so is my child. And that has helped me a lot, really kind of acknowledging I am trying really hard. So yeah, I didn't nail everything, but that's not the goal. So it's it's a combination of those things. It's giving yourself a break. Yeah. Do you have any other advice for parents? Find the thing you can turn down and, and do less. Find the shortcut. And don't feel guilty about it. You know, we're not all people that can bake the cake from the Woman's Weekly Cake Book. Dress your kids for daycare in the clothes like the night before. (laughs) (laughs) You know, go easy on yourself. And look, um, you know, Brené Brown says comparison is the thief of joy. And I think particularly with our parenting. So catching yourself comparing and just going, not helpful, stay in my own lane. Swim well, friend. I'm in my own lane. That I think that helps. Perfect. Jen, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. That's Jen Muir. She's a parenting educator at Connected Parenting and you can learn more about her work via her website. Check out the notes in this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.